0: Welcome to the Gold Rush 2011 podcast. Gold Rush is an annual student-led conference hosted by Perimeter Church. This year's theme was Consumed, where we talked about what we are consumed with and who ultimately consumes us. Thank you for downloading, and we hope you enjoy. How's it going, Gold Rush? So how's everybody's Wednesday? Wednesday. All right, I'm going to open us up in a quick word of prayer, then dive right into it. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak to these young kids today, Lord. Please help these words to be yours and not mine. For anything that was my thought to fall away like chaff from the wheat, Lord, but for you, your thought, please help it to stick and grow and blossom into a beautiful flower. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys. You guys probably heard already, my name is Will Moody, um, and I'm, I'm going to be a senior at Westland High School in Norcross. I'm here, woo, go Wolves, um, and I'm here to talk to you guys about the question of how we are consumed. Now, when I first started out at Westland, I never had to take Spanish until my freshman year, and when I took Spanish my freshman year, I was absolutely horrible. I, could barely, I couldn't speak the language at all, I couldn't even do the little tiny words, So I had to relearn simple words like how. It really gave me a greater appreciation for words like how and what and why. Because you have to really know what kinds of words you use to answer. So when I went back and I looked at how we are consumed, what kind of answer is there for that? It's a specific action. If you think about how you get somewhere, you take a right. Turn or a left turn on a certain street if you're getting directions. It's a specific answer. I'm going to tell you guys a little story. I love to fly fish personally, and we have a great trout fishery here, the Chattahoochee River, and I love to go with my dad, and it's just so much fun. But the first couple times we went, we were horrible. We had no idea what we were doing, and we thought we were hot snot. We came out, we had just gone out. We had just gone out west to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and caught some massive trout. So we thought, come back to Atlanta, fishing on a smaller stream, it'd be really easy. And so we get out the first day, we start throwing, we start throwing our line out, and we're not having any luck. We have got these big, big bugs on, so no bites, and we're watching this guy. This guy's name Sam, and he is just hauling a in. He's probably caught hundred fish that day. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> and By the time lunch came around, we're sitting there eating our PB&Js, and we're wondering, how are we going to get this guy to talk to us so we can learn how to catch some fish? Because this is not fun. He comes up to us and asks, hey, guys, how are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, we're good. My dad, he's brave enough, he goes, so how are you doing it? We're watching you sitting here, and we have no idea how we're supposed to catch these fish. How do you guys catch these fish? He says, well, let me show you. Let me show you. We consume by following other things. Ever since we're kids, we're babies. We can't verbally communicate when we're babies. We learn from what our parents do. We watch them. We follow them. That's how we learn. We follow media images, right? Corey, the first night, talked about the three points from the season of life. On the men trying to find their image, on the sports field, try to find it with the amount of women they can get, try to find out how much money they can make. And those three things specifically are derived from the media. They're the people that are telling us this. We are following something. Um, there's a story I like to tell you about two separate ways people follow. There are two, two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother and they've got a pretty loaded dad. Their dad owns Stony River, and he makes bank. Um, His son, his son's a little crazy. He likes to go out on the weekends, and he kind of likes to party a lot. He had a hot head and really didn't get along with his parents. His dad and him had probably the worst relationship of the two brothers, and he hated his dad, absolutely hated him from the pit in his stomach. In fact, one day he went and said, Dad, I hate you so much. I want you to go die. You need to just go die and just give me what what happened when you die. And his dad was absolutely heartbroken. I mean, this is his own flesh and blood, his own son. He, through tears, he says, you know what, fine, you can take it. He gives him his portion, his inheritance. It was a big deal. The, The kid was happy. He was excited. He went out. And party a lot. He went out and he was chasing, he was pushing the limit. Bigger parties, faster cars, more beautiful women, but none of it could satisfy him. There was a market crash, huge stock market crash, and the son lost everything. He ended up working in a garbage collection facility, and he was so hungry, he had to eat the garbage. Stay alive. He remembered one day, whilst eating a half-eaten cheeseburger, that his dad owns a restaurant. That if maybe if he went back and bust tables or took out the trash, he could earn a morsel of food or something just to get him by. So, he went back. He went back to his dad. He had had a speech prepared. He was going to go in, shake his hand, not even really cause a lot of commotion, just say. Listen, Dad, I need a little help. Just give me a job. We don't even have to talk. I know you probably hate me right now, but just can you please help me out? When he went back to his father, his dad looked at him, and as soon as he saw him, he ran to him. He gave him a huge embrace, picked him up off the ground, and was just so happy. So happy, in fact, that on the busiest night of the week, He stood up on a table, cleaned his glass together, and asked everyone to leave. He wanted everyone out of that restaurant, just so he could go back, get his Rolodex, call every single person he had in the Rolodex to have him come have a party, busting out the prime rib, the lobster, the good stuff. Everyone was happy, except for one person. You guys haven't guessed yet. This is the parable of the prodigal son. And it's found in Luke 15, and I'm going to read a small section from that parable. Meanwhile, the older son was out in the field near the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you've told me. And all that time, you've never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Now, here's the interesting part of that passage. You never even gave me one goat for a feast with my friends. It may not seem like the older brother was consumed with much of anything at all. After all, he was the perfect kid. He was the one who made straight A's. Everyone in his class was compared to him. Valedictorian, he did everything right, but for the wrong reasons. He was consumed with looking perfect, looking around at everyone else and and thinking to himself, I'm a man. I'm better than that guy or that guy, putting himself on a scale with him on one side and everyone else on the other. He He made his identity in this idea of perfection, achievable perfection. Now this passage, the context for this passage is Jesus is in the temple talking to a group called the Pharisees. And for those of you who don't know, the Pharisees were the holy rollers. You guys know what I'm talking about. These are the guys who love to get up in church, And give the prayers that go a little bit like, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much that I am not like Johnny Smith. He went out last weekend and he partied all night long and got really drunk and passed out. Amen. Those kind of guys. But the interesting fact is, what Jesus was trying to do in this parable will say the older brother and the younger brother are equally as consumed. One is not better off than the other. Just because one went, went out and went partying on the weekends and one stayed home and tried to have a great appearance doesn't mean that they're both not sinful. When I think about being consumed, I always think about Jacob Marley from The Christmas Carol. You know, the guy with the chains and like the bank vault stuff. Jacob Marley was consumed with greed and that, sh- that showed on his bank balls. And when you think, when I think about myself, I see an older brother. When I wonder about my chains, I probably have Bibles, half thought out prayers, grades that I tried to get to impress people. I took pride in the fact that I'd been to a Christian school all my entire life. I would always try to win sword drills. Yeah, try to win sword drills, memorize the verses, never, ever did anything wrong. Yeah, Uh, But when you compare people to other people, you can always seem better. What God is trying to tell us in this passage is, the only person we can really compare to is Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we, can, we all fall short. Not one of us in this room can equal out Jesus on a scale. And if you can, tell me, because I'd love to know how to do it. So if the older brother has is chained and the younger brother has chains, how do we become free of chains? At this time, I'd like to look back at the story about Sam, the one who taught us how to fish. Jesus had a similar story. He saw the men, his disciples, fishing. They weren't catching any fish either. They were doing it the wrong way. He looked at them, told them to do it a little different, and they hauled in so many fish, they broke their boats. We have to follow one who knows the way. Christ calls us to be faithful, Catchers of men. We, the only way to be loose of chains that we have bound ourselves with is to follow Christ. And I'm not talking about following Christ like on Twitter, all right? I'm talking about following Christ like you'd follow a military leader into a battle with absolute trust, absolute faith, knowing that the guy to your left is the one who has your life in his hands. And being able to know that he's not going to throw it away. The older brother and the younger brother are the same. And I'd like to invite us to really think about how what is on our chains. I know it's for me, like I said, it might be a Bible, it might be your GPA, it might be your football cleats, it might be your dance shoes, it might be your acting role, it might be something a little heavier. Might be needles, knives, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, we are the same. And that's a blessing and a curse. It doesn't matter how screwed up you are or how good you think you are, we're all equal on the side of God. Johnny Cash had a, a uh, addiction to methamphetamines and that was, he had needles on his chains. And he really, really struggled with it. And most people that knew him before he became a Christian really wouldn't think he would have become a Christian. He was pretty crazy. I've, you've probably all seen Walk the Line. You know, he goes crazy, starts throwing stuff in Folsom prison. But later on in life, interestingly enough, he was converted he had an amazing testimony, which I invite you all to look up online. It's, it's very lengthy, so I'm not going to talk about it. But what he ended up doing is he ended up writing a song. And this song is called, God's Gonna Cut You Down. And you might think, oh, Will, that, that song, that song's horrible. It's about Jesus cutting us down. That, that's not, that can't be religious. Well, it's not exactly about that. When Johnny Cash wrote this song, he wasn't thinking that God was cutting us down. God's cutting you down. God is cutting the evil one down. He's taking our chains from us, leaving us free to choose. When you go back to your small groups, I invite all the small group leaders to really ask, What are your, what's on your chains? What is it that you are locked into? How are you consumed? You've been listening to the Gold Rush 2011 podcast. Perimeter Church is located at 9500 Medlock Ridge Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. If you'd like more information about the church, please visit our website at watershedministry.org.